back again with my shady podcast on a Thursday um, this week because, just because, it's, it's hard to find time to do these things, to be honest with you. Also, I wasn't working on Monday, so it's kind of thrown my days out, um, if you get me. Um, right, stop rambling already uh, before you go too far in the ramble direction. Ramble, ramble, ramble. I had planned on doing a an outdoorsy walking around see if I can find some cars podcast um, but mother of Jesus uh, the weather is shite um, raining and incredibly high winds um, rain rain I can kind of deal with if you've got a good rain jacket you're, you're kind of all good but wind my god the wind pisses me off um, especially if you're a, a cyclist of any um, description Um there's nothing worse than cycling and running actually uh, against the wind okay I'm already starting to ramble um, so instead of going outdoors and wandering I'm just lying in my room uh, on my bed um, a comfort podcast uh, comfort mode slacking off the dampers um, and easing for a, a, a relaxing grand tour um, not a particularly exciting motoring week on my end Um I suppose I did see a few nice little things. Um, on my day off on Monday, I cycled out um, from Dublin 24, D24 for life, baby, um, out to uh, Docky Kalini area, um, walked around, went up Kalini Hill, etc. Um, and there's a high end, as everything is around there, apartment building. Um, I used to live out that way. Um, and there's a guy out there who always had a, a Citroën DS um, it was always parked in the car park for these apartments um, but I went by there yesterday yeah, on Monday um, and where the DS is usually parked there was now uh, a Citroën ME6 brake in a kind of a bronzy colour um, again and anything I mentioned here is up on the Instagram stories car no sore car C-A-R underscore N-O-S-A-U-R on Instagram, but you're probably already following me anyway. Um, it's still on French plates. Um, I don't know if the, this. I don't know if this person is French because um, if my memory serves me correct, the DS was always on um, French plates as well. So maybe, well, I suppose because I don't know if you actually have to change the plates. Um, I don't know. Anyway, either way, um, Ami Six, the Ami Six, possibly even cooler than the DS. So not to wild thing to say um, DS is more just because and if you can be familiar with DS they're not exactly um, tripping over them but you know the Amis are more it's certainly a more uh, uh, left field and uh, obscure choice than a, than a DS um, if my memory serves me correct the, the Ami 6 break um, that's what uh, James May had in that episode of Top Gear when they went on the uh, the classic car rally in Spain he had an ME6, Clarkson had, was it a, it was a, a, an MG Midget, wasn't it, I think? And uh, Hammond had some old British thing um, that he bought because I think he worked out that his, his grandfather worked in the coach builders that built it. Some, I don't know, old British stuff is, is completely lost on me. Um yeah, so Ami 6, that was cool. Um, what else did I see? Oh, yeah. One of the coolest things I think I saw all week was uh, a Toyota BB. Um, if you're unfamiliar with a Toyota BB, um, 
they were called Scion, something or other in North America, and there were badges, Daihatsus in some countries. Released in the early millennium, um, you know, kind of the same era as, like, the Nissan Cube um, and stuff like that. Like, kind of looks like a K car, but it's not, because I think the smallest engine is 1.3, and you get a 1.5, and bigger, obviously, in size in a K car, but that kind of look, um, funky little things. Um, but the one that I saw, uh, it was in Trinity College, was a BB open deck, which is a two-door version. Um, which has these kind of roof bars that go across the roof and then down onto the back, onto the back, which has a tiny, tiny little kind of pickup bed in it. Um, completely ridiculous thing, um, but cool nonetheless. Again, it's up there on my Instagram if you haven't already seen it. Um, one, well, another thing I saw, um, which you don't see often and kind of flew under the radar in period. Um, the only reason I became aware of it is because a, a mate of mine had one a few years ago. Um, so it's the it was an E eighty two, which is the coupe version of the E eighty seven, which is the hatchback code, um BMW one series. Um but it was a one two three D, um, which is a two litre diesel that they offered in the one series, the first generation one series. Um they did, it went up to a two five D in, in the, the next generation, but the one two three D, um so it's a two litre diesel, but it, it uses the same uh, twin sequential turbo technology that was you know, in the in the equivalent um E sixty um five three five D. Um so it's kinda of like a, a smaller version of that engine essentially, although you know four cylinders rather than six. Um but I say yeah the same twin sequential turbo setup um which gave it I think two hundred and one horsepower and four hundred newton meters torque, which is pretty those are pretty nice figures and I'm sure if you give it a bit of Bring it to your lo- local uh, remapping agent. I'm sure you could pump up those figures even further. Um, and its claim to fame at the time was it was the highest output um, per litre um, power-wise yeah, diesel engine at the time, um, having just a nib over 100 horsepower per litre. Um, yeah, I, I drove my, my friend's one um, when he had it, um, which is a few years ago now. Uh but it was great. It's 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 while well, the power is great, it's it's the it's the mid range torque, um, which you really notice. Um, and I like the uh, E eighty two again. If I'm getting my nomenclature correct, uh, the E eighty two one series coupe, um, especially if it's in the right spec, um, like with the the M sporty bumpers and larger wheels. Um, I think it's a car that's aged very well. The whole kind of I'm not sure, actually, I don't know if Bangle. Bangle do the one series but certainly Bangalore anyway um, misunderstood BMWs in, in, in period but yeah I think they've aged well even even the the, the, yeah, the hatchback has aged well I think um, and of course the rear wheel drive which is which is great and you can get them on manual gearboxes um, which all of which um, BMW don't well you can still get the occasional manual gearbox but not for long and yeah, the rear-wheel drive stuff is really kind of, you know, not not in a one series, not anymore, I tells you. Um, other stuff that I've... Just, uh, oh, one thing that I, I did post this on my Instagram as well, which just pissed me off on Saturday. Again, it was pissing rain. We're going to have a very wet and rainy um, winter yeah, this this year, I, I feel. Um, I know we're only just kind of in in winter... What the fuck am I going to say? In uh, autumn. But I feel like the winter is going to be the temperature. We're getting what we're going to get in winter now: rain, wind. 
but it's still not particularly cold. But then it's going to get cold as well. It's going to be miserable. It's going to be a miserable winter. Um, but anyway, really rainy Saturday. Um, and I had to stop and get some diesel. So there's a Maxall in. I was heading in towards my friend to help him move a bed. So this is what happens when you have a van. People scab off you to move stuff. Um, move a bed from his apartment to our friends who's just moved into his his, his first home actual home house um, so I was driving through and so, so I stopped Temple Oak Village there's a max all there um, piss and rain all the pumps were, were full but then I realised the second one down um, which is one of the ones I would use because the the, uh, the the fuel filler on the old uh, on the old uh, Peugeot partner is on the left hand side because the Frenchies don't switch stuff over for right hand drive markets Um as is the sliding door. Um, so yeah, I was going to use the second pump. Um, and I noticed there was a, a Tesla a Tesla Model Y parked at the pump. Um, now there were plenty of parking spaces just for running in out of the shop or whatever, free. This fucker had parked his electric vehicle at a petrol pump. So that was annoying. And then, just to double down on his dickish behaviour, he comes out of the Maxall with a bag of stuff opens the passenger door, puts the bag of stuff on the passenger seat, closes it, locks it again, and then he runs across the road to the off-license. All the while, this thing is parked. Again, pissing rain. Parked at a pump. So I don't know if he's just been a cunt, a self-righteous prick. Um, and, and, you know, I drive an electric car, and I'm just going to block a petrol pump because you're polluting the world, even though that's an argument for another day about pollution. But... Um, or he was just so oblivious to what's going on in the world, he just didn't realise, you know, he's just like, oh, I'm going to stop here, not realising he's completely blocking up the petrol pump. Um, dickhead. Um, if you want that person's registration details, um, I can pass them on to you, just slide into my DMs. Obviously, that's a joke, I would never do such a thing. Um, yeah, that's kind of all this stuff that I did um, in my motoring week. Uh, motoring news, um, I'm going to start off with this, this somewhat serious point. Um I'm sure you, you might have seen, because uh, it went viral on Instagram and I assume on the TikTok, which I'm not on as well. Um, I'm sure it's on YouTube too, of this incident with a bunch of supercars uh, in Sardinia, I think it was. Um, some sort of like supercar, you know, tour. Um, a bunch of rich people driving around their supercars in Italy. Um, and it's from, a, a, it's from just, I think it's German, they're speaking uh, people, families in, in their car filming all these supercars trying to overtake on single lane uh, two way traffic um, and like a bunch of supercars come along overtake the, the camera car and then they kind of get stuck on a motorhome and a few other things and some of them move out and overtake the motorhome and then a uh, I think it's a hurricane spider comes along and pulls in behind the motorhome and then a, a portofino comes along um, and the Portofino tries to go and overtake both the the Hurricane and the motorhome in one go. Then the the Hurricane pulls out to overtake the motorhome, not realizing this person, the Portofino, is coming up to do a double overtake. Um, so the the Hurricane and the Portofino collide. Uh, it spins the Portofino off to the left, um, which goes it goes over the guardrail, flips over. Um, the Hurricane spins into the into the motorhome, which causes the motorhome to flip over, and then the the Lambo ends up in the in the ditch on the right hand side. Um, 
all the behaviour of the supercar drivers was was so dickish. Um, don't get me wrong, I've no problem with people overtaking if you're in a quick car and you want to get ahead of something slow. But the way they were doing it was really obnoxious and 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 aggressive and unnecessary. Um, I'm not going to say point blame. But anyway, one thing I say is I, I, I'm sure you've seen the video. If you haven't, you know, feel free to look it up. But um, warning, I, I got uh, a news alert, whatever, from Google because it knows I've watched the video. Um, and it turns out the, the people in the Portofino um, actually died because um, they got trapped in the car and the car went on fire. Um, so the, the the guy in the in the hurricane was arrested and is, is possibly being charged with I think they were the automotive homicide or something. Um, I, I'm not going to point fingers. You, you know, it, it, it's up for debate as to who exactly was at fault for causing the crash itself. Um, but either way, the behaviour, something like that was going to happen. You could tell it was just it's like I said. Like I'm all for enthusiastic driving, and you know it does get frustrating when you're in something quick and you know looking for when you're going towards some good roads that you want to stretch the legs of your performance vehicle but there are ways of doing it and there's ways of doing it responsibly um, and those 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 that clearly just wasn't how things were being played in this instance um, terrible tragedy um, and just you know it's a lesson to go like you know don't be a dick um, you can have fun in your car but not at the expense of others not at the, not at the expense of human life um, it's tragic and at the end of the day two people are dead and I'm sure they have family and friends and loved ones that are devastated and my heart goes out to them um, and obviously the poor people in the in the camper van as well they're all over I'm not sure what their injuries are apparently there's no fatalities there but you know someone's going along in a motorhome they're obviously on their holidays mind their own business and they got involved in something tragic um, and even for the person in the Lambo look, they didn't intend to kill anybody um, and now they have that in their conscience Um it's tragic, but look, as I said, the behaviour, the behaviour, you know, it, it, something like that was was inevitably going to happen, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, lessons to be learned. Um, it's one of those things, I, I've said this before, like, as much as I love Top Gear and all the great YouTubers out there, the, the stuff that they do on camera has given a lot of people kind of a false sense that you can be in, invincible uh, and do crazy things in cars on the public highway, which technically you can't. And a lot of people don't realise you do actually do need a skill level of some degree to drive these cars um, quick and on the limit. Anyway, enough of that depressing news. Um, just thought I felt I need to bring it up. Um, other stuff in the modern world. Um, so, journos have got their hands on the Lamborghini Rev- Revulto. I still am not sure exactly how it's pronounced, but I think it's Revulto. It's R E V U E L T O. So, Revulto. Um, shock horror. It's great. Um, it's a step on from the Aventador, um, mostly because it has a dual clutch gearbox now instead of a, a single clutch job that smacks you in the back every time you change gear. Um, with the hybrid assistance, it's got over a thousand horsepower. Um, it's only 0.5 of a second slower from not to 124 miles an hour than a Chiron. Um, uh, the one that I read in Pissnets, I think it was Mike Duff did it. He the the test was at Nardo. Um, I'm sure there's. I think there are road um, reviews coming in a couple of days down the line. They're stretching it out. Um, and he was following um, Lamborghini's test driver, whose name escapes me. Um, it's not. It's not. Uh, uh, Valentino Balboni he's he's since retired um, it's some new young whippersnapper but anyway 
the test driver was driving the um, it's the guy who was driving the SVJ, which set the Nurburgring lap record, outright record for a production car. But anyway, he's he's in an SVJ, um, leading leading a pack of Revoltos. And while your mom's able to use his skullduggery around the um, the twisties, you know, to stay ahead, um, Mike Duff was saying he was able to catch and had to back off um, along the straight and um, stop from overtaking the SVJ. Um, so much is the increased power output of this new Lamborghini. And bear in mind, this is the the beginning. You know, as is as is the. Um, Tradition with Lamborghinis is, and well, most cars, especially performance cars, you, you get the you get the entry level, if if that can be a term that can be used, um, version initially when it's first released, and then obviously the will be drip fed, then crazier, more powerful versions as, as time goes on. Um, it's not a particularly good looking car, I don't think. Um, Lamborghinis have just been steadily getting worse looking, and um, I think they went through a bit of a purple. Well, I think they've all been good especially the early Audi ones as well up until then and then it kind of after that's kind of slowly slid into the Murcia Lago nice Aventador cool Gallardo was great but then like the Huracan and now this revolt they're a bit too fussy and it's, car styling in generally has kind of gone kind of lost they've no run of ideas and anyway that, all, that, all that stuff subjective Um as a driving experience, it sounds like it's pretty spectacular. And look, as I said previously, long be it, uh, long live, which they won't be, but we have to appreciate these V12 uh, naturally aspirated, albeit with a hybrid system, um, supercars while they still exist. Um, so more power to Lamborghini with that. Um, oh, Ren Sport was on. Um, was it the weekend just gone? I think it was. Uh, Ren Sport being this. I suppose festival of all things Porsche in America's. I think it's in Monterey. Well, I know the track work all happens in Laguna Seca. I don't know if they're both beside each other. It's in America anyway. Um, loads of journalists were there. Smith and Sniff were there. They did their podcast from there and fucking Instagram and all oh, social media was filled with content from it. Um, it's something I'd love to go to. Um, it'd be a it'd be a trek to make it, but it's, you know it's on the bucket list. Um, it's all things Porsche, from old, cheap, expensive, new motorsport, everything, everything you can think of, um, you know, prototypes, everything, all, all sorts. Um, Jerry Seinfeld was there with a was it a five fifty Spider um, that he had um, fully restored, and then he custom built a VW Transporter van that the guy who originally owned the or well one of the guys who 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 did own it back in period and race it who's American some American guy Bruce Bruce anyway some American racing driver starting Moss raced the car anyway initially and then this other American guy bought it and raced it um and but your man he built a specific he built a VW transporter with an elongated wheelbase and etc et Jerry Seinfeld has done the same thing and he brought the 550 there on this VW transporter um anyway off topic it seems like a cool event. I'm sure you saw loads about it. Um, but the one thing that Porsche did unveil was the Porsche 911 GT3 Rentsport or 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 Rentsport or whatever. Basically, uh, a GT3 Cup car, but without any regulation. Um, so it's got like nearly 700 horsepower, aerodynamics out the wazoo. Um, yeah, so it's just one of these track toys for very rich people who are very friendly with Porsche. Um, to just go and have 
fun um, weekends at tracks because um, that's what the rich people do. Cool thing. Again, more power to Porsche for making it a real thing. It's something none, most of us won't ever experience, but a cool thing nonetheless. Um, continuing on the uh, supercar front, uh, sports car, supercar, um, journalists also got their hands on the Roma Spider. Um, I like the Roma. Um, it is spec dependent, uh, mostly what colour it's painted in, um, the coupe. I like it. It's a, of all the modern Ferraris, Ferrari in a bit of between the Roma and the 296 GTB, and even that Daytona SP3 thing that they brought out. Yeah, they've been kind of, because like, last few years with Ferrari, it was kind of like, yeah. Like, I love Ferrari full stop, and all the Ferraris are obviously where it's at, but yeah, they're going through an okay patch at the moment with the road cars. But um, the Spider, yeah, so look it drives brilliantly again these things are subjective styling wise i would always have the coupe over over a drop top um where available um i just think with with this i i haven't seen one in real life but with the spider cut off i know the rear end looks kind of fussy like it's a fabric folding roof so it does tuck away quite nicely but because it's a two plus two with the seats and the roof mechanism and the I don't know the rear end looks a bit weird and fussy to me personally, um, but hey look if that's what you're into, it's a cool car, um, and as I said look it, it drives brilliantly as does the regular Roma, um, and if you need one without a roof you can get one without a roof now, um, and then also in supercar sports car news, um, Aston Martin have finally confirmed that the Valhalla uh, supercar will be going into production next year. Um, if you're not familiar with what that is um, it was initially announced in 2019 but then of course pandemic um, hit and the world fell to shit um, Aston went through a bit of a rugby period and you know kind of went in the back burner but it is back um, it's going to be a thousand plus hybrid mid-engined supercar um, ground up supercar um, because obviously the, the Valkyrie which was a bit of a special edition limited run thing was kind of a red bull car with 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 aston help um whereas this is a full-on aston martin um ground up um supercar um so yeah it looks cool um because we've seen what it's going to look like um no doubt it'll drive pretty amazingly too um they say they're going to use a lot of their um their formula one knowledge um so hopefully it doesn't start well and then just drop off like Aston Martin has been doing him in Formula 1 this year. Um, more in Formula 1 at the moment, I won't get bogged down with that. Um, but speaking of Aston Martin, and to blend in, nice segue into motorsport news, um, Aston Martin now are going to go back into the top flight hypercar um, series in Le Mans with the Valkyrie. Um, they weren't go- they, they were going to, then they decided they weren't going to, and now they are. And they got a bit sniffy about when when um, the LMDH rules got brought in, where you can kind of, you know, as I mentioned before, it's essentially a, uh, a, I suppose a silhouette, if you will. Um, well, not not quite. It's basically it's stock chassis, um, and you can put in your own drivetrain. Um, but anyway, they got sniffy. That it, it, you know, it was a ch- it's a cheaper version essentially of getting into the L- the, the, the top flight hypercar class. Um, but I think they've seen that you know the LMH cars, which are the full-on prototypes that manufacturers can make, um, is definitely the way to go. Um, so they decided it's back on. So, but they won't be there until twenty twenty-five. Um, but we will then have Aston Martin along with Lamborghini, Ferrari, Porsche, 
Toyota, Glickenhaus, Cadillac, Peugeot. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but it's a big, thick grid for the hypercars. Um, me and my mate do watch Le Mans every year, and we, we went back in 2013, and we keep meaning to say we're going to go back, and we said we're definitely going to go next year, um, so we really must get pull the finger out and get it booked, because we booked a lot when we went in 2013, we did it last minute, and while we enjoyed the event, um, our, our organisation wasn't exactly up to scratch, so we want to do it, and we want to do it right this time. So I must get on to him actually because he actually he'd been unemployed for the last few months and he's got a job, and um, so now we really must book that. Um, so yeah, so motorsport. Um, so obviously this weekend, uh, Formula One is back um, after a you know it's regular two week break. Um, we get we're getting a bit um, greedy with these uh, triple headers and back to backs that we've had with this bloated calendar that Formula One has now. But um, yeah, so it's in Qatar at the La Salle circuit. Um, they first went here there everywhere went to Qatar in 2021 won by Lewis Hamilton quite convincingly um, Fernando while he was still at Alpine got his first uh, podium when he in, at his return to Formula 1 um, it was a pretty exciting race um, they weren't there last year because of the, the World Cup um, but it was a pretty exciting race in 21 um, some good it's a real kind of high speed track cars seem to be able to follow each other and some good wheel to wheel racing it was quite hard on the tyres, especially the front left. I think it was four tyre failures in the race. Um, but yeah, it, it, it seems like a pretty good track. Um, not exactly buzzing with excitement because I think there's one grandstand um, along the pit straight. Um, it's a night race, um, and yeah, I think I think they maybe sold some like thirty thousand tickets last year, um, and mostly to expats. Um, we won't get into Qatar and it's. Uh, human rights abuses um, this is not a political podcast um, you know if you want if you don't know about Qatar look it up yourself um, but yeah so Max I'm not going to say I'm not even going to use the word could win the championship this race um, he will because I think he only needs to score three points more than Checo to clinch it the thing is though it's a sprint weekend so it means he could could and probably will win it on on Saturday um, in the sprint race um, which will be odd because um, then there will be the full race to go on Sunday um, you know it's always kind of and well, I don't want to say annoying but you know it's it's a bitter enough pill to take that someone wins championships you know with so, with several races still to run but then to win it on a weekend before the race has even happened will be even more strange um, but look it's fully deserved Max and Red Bull this year have been on another level. Um, it's one of those ones where people are like, oh my God, dominance, blah, blah, blah. But we'll look back at this season, if not this kind of era of Max Verstappen um, and Red Bull, you know, as an extreme high point in the sport. Um, and he'll be a three-time world champion, three back-to-back as well, which is um, is rarefied ground. I think the only people the only people to win three are Prost, well, Prost, Senna, Fangio, Schumacher, Vettel, Hamilton, obviously. Um, but Hamilton never did three back-to-back because um, he has seven. First was with McLaren, then the patch. Then he did 15, 16. Is that right? Yeah, 15, 16. No, sorry, 14, 15. Then Rosberg won it. Then 17, 18... Oh no, so we would have done it in 17, 18, 19, 20. So he has done. 
I have the that's too many championships, isn't it? Four, five, six, seven. How am I getting this so wrong? He has seven championships, so 08, 14, 15, 17, 18, 19, 20. Oh, yeah. So 17, 18. So yeah, so 17, 18, 19, 20. He, so he has on three in a row, actually, Hamilton. Um, so three in a row, Hamilton, Vettel, Schumacher. Um, I think Schumacher still holds the record for the most in a row because he won five in a row. Um, thousand, thousand one, two, three, and four. Um, yeah, so that's the record that Schumacher still holds. Um, but yeah, so th- a three time more time, there's not many who've won three, and certainly not three and three in the trot. So I think people who've won three in the trot are Vettel, Schumacher, Hamilton, and now Verstappen. Um, that's showing obviously kind of since the Schumacher era um periods of dominance have become more um common for sure. Um but yeah, look it's the second half of the season has been pretty decent despite the fact Red Bull and Max have dominated. Um every uh, going back to all the races that we've had since summer since the returns and summer break have all actually been pretty exciting. Even when the ones that Max ran away with Singapore obviously been the high point where it was the one race that they weren't really on at the races one for a better term but even like all the other races behind Max um, there's been lots of close wheel to wheel racing um, and the grid is quite tightly condensed behind Red Bull um, so yeah it'll be interesting um, Liam Lawson's going to be back again um, Danny Rick's still not quite match fit um, but he probably will be back for Austin which I'm sure he'll be happy about because he's a He's a bit of a, a closet American. I say closet. He's, he's you know Austria. His his love for America is pretty on the nose. Um, yeah, and then like they've already so Rebel. Yeah, they already sealed up a constructor championship in Japan. Um, the mo- the exciting one really still is um, there's only twenty points between Mercedes and Ferrari for second in the constructors. Um, I'd love to see Ferrari to get it. Obviously second, um, but that's going to be a tight battle. Um, and then the other one is um, so Aston are now Aston are down to fourth from second earlier on in the in the season they've dropped down to fourth and that's mostly because obviously you know, they've had a drop off in the second half of the season performance wise while everyone else has kind of taken a step forward but you can't help but pull a lot of the blame on the fact that ninety percent of the points have been scored by Fernando Alonso. Um, I, I don't understand how how much further the nepotism with keeping Lance Stroll in the team, you know, can go on for. Um, obviously, Fernando's on a different level. He's he's one of the all-time greats, but that's too much of a gap. Um, and you know, it's it's going to cost um, Aston. I go look at this an improvement on on the previous season and previous seasons that they've had. And um, they were they were seventh last year. Um, so you know, fourth is good, but it, it's got it, it could be fifth at this rate because McLaren are catching them at leaps and bounds. Um, I personally think McLaren will probably deserve to get fourth. Um, the way their second half of their season has gone, um, but it'd be a big shame for Aston Martin to drop after such a great start of the season, and it'd be disappointing for poor Fernando because he really put the work in. Um, but yeah, so like there is still some excitement to come. Um, the battle for seventh as well between Williams, Alpha, Alpine, and Haas. Um. So no, Alpine are kind of a firm sixth, but then Alpha Williams has um, vying for that seventh position. Williams deserve it for sure. Um, 
they've taken the biggest leap and they are currently sitting there um, but because the points are so uh, single digit and you know hard fought for at that end of the grid anything could happen but yeah so there is plenty still to look forward to the rest of the season some great racetracks coming up um, Austin is great um, Mexico is great Brazil is great um, we have the Vegas race which will be interesting um, you know one for a better word that should be the only last it'll be the last early morning race because the, the race this weekend is 6pm as is the sprint um, I'm not sure if I managed to see real I'm not sure I think qualifying is on at 6 tomorrow evening as well qualifying happens tomorrow evening for the race on Sunday and then Saturday is all about the sprint you get the sprint qualifying and then the sprint race all on the Saturday um, yeah I think the Vegas race is the last one that's a, a pure early morning because it's 9 I think it's 9 p.m. local time. So I think we were going to have it at like 6, 6 a.m. over here. Which is odd because North American races are usually good timing for us. Anyway. Um, but then like there's lots of those. Yeah, Qatar is nice, a nice evening race. Mexico is a nice evening race. Austin's a nice evening race. Brazil is a nice evening race. Um, and then I think it's and then Abu Dhabi, um, which I think is afternoon. But that's the very last race of the season. And from... Well, no, some of the stuff will go down to the wire, I'd say, but whatever. Abu Dhabi, Middle East, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, yeah, that's Formula 1. Um, the WRC was on the weekend, um, WRC Chile, um, won by Cali Robin Pereira. Um, it, was an ex- it was an exciting um, event. Um, he he last time... No, sorry, Oitanic won it. Apologies. Cali Robin Pereira is in the lead in the championship, but Oitanic won the, won, the, won the rally, one of his first wins um, since... I think, I think he said since, well, since Rally Sweden was the last one he won because um, he said the Ford M Sport which the Ford has kind of been trounced by the Toyota mainly and the Hyundai this season um, so Oitanic won it but um, Calibre Vampira I think Calibre Vampira finished third um, because uh, oh, what's that guy's name Polish driver Fuck, I should write this shit down. The guy was in second for Toyota. Um, crashed out. There was a lot of rolls and crashes. Um, but anyway, yeah, Oitanic won it. Um, and that means Robin Perra, I think, is 30 points ahead of uh, Elf and Evans in the championship. But I think there's only, I think there's three rounds still to go. Um, have, I haven't kept my finger on the pulse as much as I should have with the WRC again. Um, I dropped off as I did with all the other forms of motorsport I tried to keep track of. Um but I will I have I have been following it um as as, as well as I can. Um but yeah so Oitanic won it um, and after that then it was announced he's gonna be going back to Hyundai, which would be good because he's a he is a, a, a champion um, and he's a great rally driver so he deserves to get good equipment. Um speaking of people moving teams, Model GP um, was announced just yesterday that Mark Marquez is going to be leaving Honda um, after I think it's eleven years he's been with them, um, and won all his titles with them. Um, you know the bike hasn't been particularly competitive recently. He's been a bit erratic, so two mutual agreement they decided to part ways. Um, it's one of those big things. It's like it'd be like Max leaving Red Bull, um, or like you know Lewis leaving Mercedes now. Um, yeah, uh, so pretty pretty big news in the world of MotoGP um, hasn't announced where he's going to go yet but rumour is he's going to go to Ducati um, because Ducati has been quite um, competitive of late um, so it could be you know a resurgence from Mark Marquez um, so yeah that's, that's pretty big news in the world of MotoGP 
Um, I think that's what I have to say in the motorsport world. Um, uh, what do I have written down? There? Oh yeah. So my uh, my classified. I have two classified finds of the week this week. Um, first one is a it's a a first generation Merc CLS. Um, it's a CLS five hundred. So it's the V eight, not the AMG. So it's the 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 regular V eight. If you want to want for a better word, V V eight compressor. So it's a supercharged V eight, three hundred horsepower. Um, mint condition. Um, it's got a Kildare reg on it, and so it's it's a I think it's O yes O seven KE five hundred, which is nice. I'm not big into personalized regs, but yeah, why not? Um, great looking car, and um, the CLS, um, and six and a half grand, and it's had like loads of work done to the suspension. It looks immaculate. The uh, the ad is very honest. It's got full service history. One hundred forty seven thousand kilometers, I think it says, doesn't it? Which is leggy, but a cool car. It's it'll be expensive to tax. I think the, it says it has some tax on it, it doesn't, it, but it doesn't say how much. Um, oh, it's got a year's NCT by the way, um, and a thousand, a thousand quid spent on suspension recently. Um, six and a half grand, eighteen hundred quid a year to route to, to tax it. But look, if you want to experience a nice wafty V eight in a, in a beautiful body shell with all that luxury and comfort of a of a big wafty Mercedes, um, I think that'd be a nice thing for for not. A whole lot of money. It's a whole lot of car, and um, but then the other one, which you may have seen, because um, Auto Obscura, as I'm sure you all know on Instagram, um, he posted this on his Insta. Um, it's a Yugo Corral, um, which is a tiny little um, Yugo hatchback, kind of based on the on the Lancia uh, Y and the the Fiat One Two Seven, I think it is. Um, funky little, you know, behind the iron curtain. Um, Soviet hatchback, um, but it's in absolutely mint condition. Left hand drive now, of course. Um, but the person selling it, um, it, it's got a fresh NCT. Comes with a bunch of spares. It's in great nick from the looks of the pictures. Well looked after car, and only wants two eight five zero for it, which I think is people would scoff at that. Uh, at, you know, spending anything above you know a crisp packet to buy an old Soviet vehicle. Um, if it's you know, you know, back ten twenty years ago, but. Obviously, you know, they've, they've come kind of full circle and have a have an ironic cool to them. Um, yeah, cool thing, um, which is, again, it's one of those ones I probably shouldn't tell anyone about and just buy myself. But anyway, there you go. Look it up. Um, it's the only Yugo Corral on Dundee. You'll find it pretty quickly. Um, don't have a YouTube channel to recommend this week, um, but I did watch the movie Logan Lucky, which is a Steven Soderbergh movie. He of, um, you know, Ocean's Eleven and many other great films. Um it's got um, it's got Daniel Craig, Channing Tatum, um, Adam Driver, amongst others. Um, it's a heist movie involving NASCAR. Um, you know, it's unpretentious, unpretentious, um, just a bit of fun. Um, it's a you know comedy heist film. Um, very enjoyable. It's up on Netflix. Worth a watch. Um, and then my music. I'm going again. I'm going to go for a full album this time. Um, it's a good view. It's probably about ten years old now at this point. Um, but again, one of those albums that kind of flew under the radar. Uh, it's a an album that was made by the infamous record producer Danger Mouse uh, with Daniel Lupi, um, a composer. Um, and it's kind of a it, it's a soundtrack to a non-existent um, spaghetti western. It's called Rome. Um, loads of guest stars on it, including like Jack White and Nora Jones. Um, it's just a great album, so look it up. Uh, Danger Mouse, Daniel Lupi, uh, Rome. Uh, if you have to pick one track, uh, two against one. It's one of the Jack White tracks. Great track. Um, yeah, 
nothing particularly spectacular. I've been recording probably 40 minutes now, um, so, so I will shut up. Um, terrible as always, rambly as always, but I will keep them coming. Um, so if you have been listening, as always, I love you. And until I speak to you again, be safe, be well, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.